Chime in, anytime. <laughs> oh no, I'm enjoying this far too much. Haven't you ever seen a rare hairless Wookiee before? Oh. Always remember I am here. Always remember I am not a Wookiee. Hello there, and welcome to episode 45 of Distant Echoes, a Star Wars podcast where we travel through the galaxy watching each episode of every Star Wars TV series in whatever order we please. I'm your host, Cassie. And I am your mother host. Ha 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 ha. That's Tommy. <laughs> also known as Tommy. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about episodes four and five of Star Wars Visions, Collection 2, cool. Season 2, Visions 2, whatever you want to call it. And to help us out, we have two very special guests, friends, friends of the show, fellow podcasters, hosts of Novel Gaming. It's Doug and Katie. Hey. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How are you guys? Thrilled. Yeah, excited. I, I like talking about Star Wars, so like what Good. better place to be, you know? Yes. <laughs> well, actually, we wanted to, we always do this with our new guests. We did this ourselves when we first started. We would love to know a little bit more about you guys and also your entanglement with Star Wars. Yes. What is it that brings you to the Star Wars universe? Because we're all entangled. That's what yes. it is. It's, entang- <laughs> it's this constricting force. It's a love Love triangle, a love, <laughs> love triangle, love space. I don't know. Whatever. Binds us? Nailed it. Something? Yes. What's the quote? Ooh, <laughs> yes. The force binds you. That's right. Yeah. So whoever wants to go first, you could do it. Yeah, I can start us off. Yes, yeah. go for right. it. Yeah. So this is Katie. Uh, Doug's the other voice. Um, Me. And uh, I uh, have kind of grown up with Star Wars, but really my first kind of four-way and love affair was with the kind of maligned uh, prequel trilogy. Yes. <laughs> Special place in my heart um, with that little uh, that little series. And so from that, I kind of. Uh, blasted me off into the Star Wars universe. And I started reading like scholastic books uh, and I'd pick them up at book fairs and, you know, played video games of Star Wars, some good ones, some bad ones. Uh, and I've just kind of stuck with it uh, since. I haven't done a ton of the TV show stuff, but there's lots of things I want to do, like Clone Wars. I heard yes. I listened to y'all talk about Clone Wars a little bit, and I was like, I should watch this show. So then I stopped Good. listening, and I'm going to go back. Um, but uh, there's just so much Star Wars, and I'm so excited about it all. And Visions, especially, is something that I'm like mm-hmm. very excited about because uh, it's really cool. And I like when there are Star Wars stories that aren't necessarily traditional Star Wars mm-hmm. stories. So I'm super yeah. excited about this and super excited to be here. Yay. Yeah, and y'all just did 
your episode uh, that I just listened to on, well, not just, but you did a recent episode, I should say, on Star Wars video games. And I know y'all had a lot to talk about with as far as Star Wars video games were concerned. There was one thing, it wasn't Star Wars related that you talked about in that episode uh, (laughs) that I had to bring up. Which was the Citizen. song? Oh, I thought you were talking about Citizen no. Sleeper. No, Citizen Sleeper. <laughs> Chattahoochee. Oh my god. Oh yeah. The discussion on it gets hotter than a hoochie. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, did you? Had you all heard Chattahoochee? Oh, I know or? the whole song. I know Damn. the whole song. I heard it every other day of my life. Yeah. So. We. Wow. We could. Tommy was in the shower and listening to y'all. And he screamed at me from the other room. He was like, Cassie, come here. And I was like, what? And I came in because he knew. Because I, yes, I jokingly sing that song all the time because it's, it's such like a so weird good. song. Yeah. It's yeah. a great song. Yeah. I could probably, I mean, we could probably sing the entire thing right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we might. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Talking about cars and dreaming about women. Yep. Never had plans just living for a minute. So, oh, yeah. My foot's tapping. <laughs> One of the, the one thing I have to mention this because in in that song I grew up and I, th- I think I mentioned this to like everyone whenever the song comes up, which is weirdly a lot for some reason. Uh, <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> but there's a line in that song where they talk about uh, laying rubber on the Georgia asphalt, and for the longest time, and I want to say probably until my adulthood years, I thought that meant they just had like melted rubber that they poured on the asphalt i didn't know that was a term for like drag racing amazing that was always my like how i envisioned what laying rubber on the asphalt was i love that that's what you thought it was because if i didn't know what it meant my first thought would be that it was some sort of sex thing yeah Mm -hmm. of course i thought you were thinking like a a fault in asses or something you know like a Some sort of tectonic plate thing yeah. of butts. Yeah, you know. Well, I also <laughs> thought it said um, it gets hotter than a hoochie's coochie. Yeah. And not a hoochie coochie, <laughs> which yeah. it could be. I don't know. I mean, could be the same yeah. thing. Could be one and the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I had to mention that. Um, y'all also did talk a lot about um, Star Wars video games. And anyone who's <laughs> listening to us, if you have not listened to that episode, I think it was a delightful one and it was great to hear uh-huh. talk about some of our mm-hmm. favorite games and Cass has yeah. a, a very lovely connection with KOTOR which I always am a, I was obsessed obsessed with KOTOR when it first Hell came yeah. out and I played it like 50 times yeah. so <laughs> and actually sorry Tommy random another podcast that's random but Worlds Beyond Number they talked oh, yeah. about KOTOR and how Lou loves KOTOR and how he couldn't kill. There's like a part where like you could become a Sith and you have to decide whether you kill this one character and he couldn't do it. And he was talking about it. And I had the same exact feeling. So like, <laughs> yeah, that, you, that. you know that Lou, Katie, that's intrepid, uh, intrepid heroes, Lou. Yeah. yeah. I've listened mm-hmm. to some of uh, World Beyond, but not. Wow. Not, I'm not caught up. I didn't know that. <laughs> it's so good. I'm obsessed with that right now. But I'm glad that you're obsessed with the same Star Wars video games because yeah, I have a, that really holds a deep anchor in my heart. Yeah, but um, that's a good one. 
Mm-hmm. What about uh, what about you, Doug? What is your kind of uh, specific connection to Star Wars? Yeah, mine also started with the prequel trilogy, which I think is hey. probably the story for a lot of folks who are in their 30s. We were, yep. you know, we were the target audience and the marketing worked on us very well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I had seen some Star Wars movies prior to the prequel trilogy. But they never hit with me because I was uh, really young and they were a lot slower than what I was watching on TV and I didn't <laughs> know what was going on. So uh, when the when the sort of faster, flashier, uh, more colorful, bombastic Sexier. one came along and I could collect like stickers from Taco Bell with Queen, Ma- Queen Amidala's face <laughs> on it. Heck yeah. Like they had me, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's definitely where I started. Um, and that was kind of like one phase that was largely like the the prequel trilogy and then catching up on the original trilogy that's when like the action figures got big all over again mm-hmm. um and weird al had his song and all that sort of stuff so Heck yeah. was yeah. there for that but then like it kind of calmed down until i finally watched the clone wars which would have been when it ended the first time i was like well great now i can watch the whole thing uh, <laughs> and that that really is what kicked off um what has not stopped as a very into star wars phase that's when i started reading books and um playing games and checking out comics and and uh, and all that sort of stuff i mean i'm a, i'm behind on a ton of stuff because i don't know how you could not be at this point oh we so all much. are um, but it the the sort of current phase kicked off with the Clone Wars for sure. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, we were. Um, I was behind on Clone Wars. Yeah, we I staved it off for a long time yep. because mm-hmm. I was like, I was such in the non prequel camp. It was stupid of me, and I finally overcame that um, discrimination, and I yeah. am proud of it, and I. <laughs> I've learned to understand it and love it for the way it is. And um, I knew that I would love it because I saw, like, I saw clips of Cad Bane and that's what made me watch Mm. it. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, wow, this is so ugly. But then I got through the first (laughs) few seasons and yeah, this is where we are now. That's the thing is I I started watching it uh, pretty early and was like, this is like, and I think I probably started with the movie because that's the first thing, which you yeah. all I'm sure can appreciate is a huge mistake. Uh, <laughs> don't start with the movie unless you're like committed. Good uh, to know. Because it's super wooden and very slow. And I was like, maybe this isn't for me. But, you know, there's there's plenty of lots of Dooku and lots of characters from the, the prequel trilogy that you just don't get enough of in the movies. And that's really what like hooked me. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, speaking of Dooku, Doug, have you watched uh, Tales of the Jedi by chance? Um, oh, I don't, no, no, yes, no, I don't remember. I feel like I would have immediately, but I'm struggling to recall much from it in this moment when you're asking me, so. Okay. Um, the only reason I ask is because there is a a big uh, focus on Dooku. Um, For sure. And, and I remember being of, super excited about yeah. it. So I wouldn't be surprised if I like watched it immediately when it dropped and then other Star Wars stuff happened, you know? We've, yeah. We've mentioned that. Uh, previously on on our podcast, but that's kind of changed our view of Dooku a little bit For because sure. it, mm. it really dives into his um his his sort of motivations more than I think the movies ever oh. did. Oh, absolutely, baby! <laughs> I've been pro Dooku from the start, so I don't need. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think you'll like him even more now, and I think there's a lot of new stuff coming out where there's a there's a whole Dooku like camp, like there's a whole yeah. group of characters that are like. 
this is why Dooku was right. Yeah. And I, I pitched it's kind of interesting. Te- well, you know, Dooku does a lot of terrible shit, but yes. Um, <laughs> but I was there pitching that first tent. No, the, the Jedi lost book. I think it's Jedi lost. Um, oh yes. Which, yes. Yes. If you, I would recommend the audio book cause it's written to be like a, a an audio drama Ooh. is incredible. Um, okay. And, and is really good Dooku content. Hmm. Good Dooku. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was weird <laughs> when you said pitching a tent i also had a weird different image in mind <laughs> Woo! okay but that is incredible i yeah. love that you both have such varied i mean we all kind of start from the same we kind of started from the same thing the prequels we're all millennials so we got there mm-hmm. but it's cool that we all kind of veered onto our own choices and our own paths and now we are all here today so that we can talk about even a different you know beautiful amazing branch of the star yeah. wars universe visions mm-hmm. oh. um yeah. so good. and these two episodes are coming off of we were just we just talked to harrison in our last pod episode and they were very deep very emotional heavy heavy. and these are two but i don't know there's something much more more charming and lighthearted about these two Mm -hmm. um and contrasting with the other two the studios that we're talking about today are huge in terms of how Mm -hmm. long they've been around and also the prominence of some of the uh other media that they've done yeah. which we're all very mm-hmm. familiar with so really quick did you, have you all watched all of this season have you watched any of the previous episodes or uh are y'all just kind of jumping in here for visions um i have watched up to what we are talking about cool. okay. i've seen all awesome. the first season and i've seen the episodes preceding these two but i have not watched beyond this yet okay gotcha and i have yeah i've watched so i I learned about Visions late. Doug talked to me about it on one of our episodes. I was like, damn, this sounds so cool. So mm-hmm. I have one episode left in the first season. And oh. then I've watched these two now in this season. Awesome. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. And as you'll, you probably are already figuring out the second the second season so far is so vastly different yes. um, mm-hmm. than the first season. And in a beautiful way, mm-hmm. which is... They're both uh, beautiful in oh, their yeah. own right. But obviously the first season is more centrally like Japanese studios and anime. Whereas this one, though we do have some um, like Eastern influences, we definitely have other mm-hmm. studios that we're getting to talk about. Actually, the first one is... Uh, I'll go ahead and jump into it if y'all are ready. Yeah. We're going to first start Let's talking about episode four, I Am Your Mother, and I'm going to talk <laughs> a little bit first about the studio. And I don't know if you guys got to watch some of this, but if we kind of guided Harrison last time too. The great thing about Visions and this kind of uh, stint on uh, Disney Plus is that there's an extra section where they have a filmmaker focus for every episode. And it goes, they're each about 10 minutes long and they go into the production of the episode with the studio. And it's incredible. Like watching it before and after you watch one of these episodes is very enlightening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I we I actually watched them after, but it made so much more sense going back through the episode when I was kind of like writing up my notes. Um, so this first studio is Armin Animations, 
um, a very familiar studio <laughs> for some people, uh, a British animation studio founded in Bristol, England in 1972. So it's been around for quite some time. Um, it's known for films made using stop motion and clay animation techniques, um, particularly those featuring its plasticine characters, Wallace and Gromit, yes. uh, Chicken Run, Shaun the <laughs> Sheep, and more. Shaun the Sheep? Shaun the yes. Sheep. You've never seen Shaun the Sheep? I No, I... This is one of the studios where I I'm said Armin, but it's Ardman, by the way. <laughs> the, the, their style is so recognizable. Oh like, yes, yeah, yeah. undeniable, so distinct. Even if you don't like, I haven't watched. I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of. But as or, soon as you see the trailer for Visions, you're like, "Holy shit! Is that yeah, the Wallace like, and Gromit people?" Yep. Like you're like, <laughs> "That's very obvious." Um, and this is from their actual website, Ardman Studio. So um, for over forty years, Ardman has entertained and charmed the world, creating much loved characters and bringing un forgettable stories to life we live and breathe the values that underpin our creative processes and culture integrity excellence humor independence collaboration and openness we are committed to providing a workspace where people and ideas can truly thrive and strive to have a positive impact on our local community which is really cool also really really cool Ardman became employee owned in 2018 which is so dope Yeah. yeah That's so, so exciting. I, it's yeah, it just gives me like goosebumps. Like it's so I literally just got goosebumps. Cool. I know, me too. <laughs> so they, they really make sure they work closely like with their executive board to ensure that everything is like upholding that thriving environment. Everyone feels like they work there and they have meaning and they create meaning, which is so oh, freaking cool. Yeah. Love that. And in the filmmaker focus, specifically on this episode, um, obviously, you know, all of these all these folks are they originate talking about their love for Star Wars and how they were fed Star Wars as children. And um, they knew that in this episode, they wanted it to kind of be like the touchstones of all their other, you know, movies. They wanted it to be comp- comedic, but also slightly irreverent, which I think this definitely is. Mm-hmm. Um it only makes sense to have stop motion involved in this. If they were to do some different type of animation, we'd be very confused. Weird, yeah. <laughs> Again, we know exactly who is doing this. Um, but what's funny is that, you know, a lot of them talk about their love for Star Wars came from the stop motion that was in Star Wars. And a lot mm. of the small sets that that they created for like the ATATs and like the battle scenes that were made in stop motion because that's how technology had evolved mm-hmm. in the original movies. So yeah. even them watching that, even them watching the original series, they were inspired to start making vi- movies, which is kind of full cool. circle. Yeah. 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 Do y'all have any particular kind of love for Ardman studios at all? I know, uh, Doug, you let out a little bit of a cheer. <laughs> when we started talking about, uh, I don't, yeah. Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> yeah, for a few reasons. I mean, one, I don't know, so I'm I'm asking this just because I'm not actually sure. But like, I wonder how many studios that have worked on Visions are in the same boat as Ardman, and that they predate Star Wars. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, mm. I don't think very many. But it can't be that many. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely a few, but not not yeah. too many. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. So that to me is really exciting. And then another thing that's exciting is. You know, I, I really appreciate how much you both highlighted in your first season coverage that Star Wars takes so much from Japanese culture and other Eastern traditions that it was a full circle moment for 
the whole first season to be done by anime like Japanese studios, right? Mm-hmm. This is also great for that stop motion thing, and I think it really highlights like what's beautiful about this series in general. When I saw that Ardman was one of the studios, I mean Ardman. I love them. It's not like they're my favorite studio of all time, but I just was like so stoked that they were involved in this because like that's the spirit of what Visions can be and has been so far. Absolutely. So I love that mm-hmm. they are here. I did watch them growing up. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot that, that our parents like let us watch or would watch alongside us, but Wallace <laughs> and Gromit was one of those things, you know. So Aww. I I we watched a ton of uh of Ardman stuff. I mean, there isn't that much of it, so we watched it all over like over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um but we watched a lot of that stuff. Um and I've since sort of just been fascinated with what they do because they're kind of a rare breed. Like not many people do what yeah. they do and certainly few do it as well. So I love what I, I love Ardman. I think they're so yeah. great. I'm so excited that you asked me to be on this one. Yes. <laughs> and what about you, Katie? Do you have any connection with Ardman or are you familiar with any of their stuff? Yeah. I mean, Wallace and Gromit, I feel like I grew up watching that stuff. Uh, and I feel like I have a distinct memory of like seeing either a short before a film or one of the films like at the drive in. So it's got this very oh, nostalgic nice. oh yeah, That's so cool. uh, vibe for me. Uh, plus, I love like claymation and stop motion yes. animation type stuff. Uh, and then I watched chicken run i feel like within the past five years i had never seen yeah. it it's like a really solid movie yes. i recommend watching chicken run if you haven't seen it yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it's like workers rising up against their yeah <laughs> yeah their, like corporate overlords. it's totally star wars so <laughs> i love that we actually watched Chicken Run at the daycare I used to work at. Oh, fantastic. Oh. Like multiple times. It was like the one sh- movie that the kids loved to watch. I feel so like there's, there's very little chance that I haven't like actually seen a Wallace and Gromit or like oh, one for of sure. Yeah. But I, it's just so hard for me to like remember any details about any of the I stuff. I mean, a lot happens. Yeah. They're short animations, you know? Like yeah. if you get, if when we would get like a VHS tape of Wallace and Gromit from the library, like it wasn't a full movie. It was like a bunch of Wallace and Gromit cartoons oh, yeah, all yeah. on mm-hmm. the same tape. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen bits and pieces or even just clips. You know? yep. Absolutely. And I also too, um, I, it, it's so interesting that so far this season, we have two stop motion adjacent yeah. so far uh shorts and i think like again going back to what probably you were the talking, first star wars stop motion i would bet aside from aside the practical from, like, effects the, like, yeah, the practical, yeah. yeah but like yeah i think it's just so fascinating and i know that uh later on in the season there's another mm-hmm. uh stop motion Ooh. one too and i just think it's it's really cool that they're like really highlighting that or at least some of the studios are this is just sort of like a general thought about visions but like I think what's so cool about Star Wars Visions is that this is one of the biggest properties in the world and of all time, Mm -hmm. and it's very forward-thinking. I mean, we know so many things that are happening into how many years in the future and and all that sort of stuff, Um, but what's so cool about Visions is it celebrates both what is the future of animation and also honors like a deep history of animation and in mm. different varieties. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think people talk a lot about where animation is going and forget about studios like Ardman who are still doing their thing or even like cartoon saloon uh, from earlier in the season. Like what they do is very unique. Um, and I feel like those types of things don't get 
included in a conversation. So it's so awesome that something so huge is making sure to highlight those traditions. Yeah. It makes me feel really proud to be a Star Wars fan. Like it's awesome. to be a part of it's not just an entire corporation sucking thing even though sometimes it, sometimes is. it is you know we <laughs> yeah, could go well, down a we'll few different rabbit holes like the but like <coughs> star cruiser yeah the artists are still artists right so like if you're looking for traditional animation like guess what there are plenty of episodes in this series that are traditionally animated you know yeah mm-hmm. and awesome. i love the idea of like i don't know 20 years from now watching a star wars thing that's been inspired by visions and like yeah. now there's a renaissance of like all new stop motion animation uh, yeah uh, stuff happening that. yeah yeah it's amazing so when ardman was talking about what they were going to do for this episode um they had a whole bunch of different ideas i mean they just they were just like throwing out all these different ideas but they kept circling around um one writer her name is magda osinksa and her idea was a family and she kept thinking about the iconic line i am your father (laughs) and she kind of quickly turned around and was like okay what if it's i am your mother it started off as a lot of brainstorming ideas we coalesced around magda's idea which was brilliant everyone knows this iconic line i am your father because i am a mother i constantly keep questioning if i'm good enough so i really wanted to explore mother-daughter relationships i think it could only come from magda's unique perspective of her own life in england and so in a way we get the sort of cultural texture of ardman's british humor while getting a, a unique lens in that helps it become a little bit more grounded in family and star wars and feeling other And her family actually follows a very similar trajectory of the family that we see in this episode. Mm. Uh, She and her family were originally from Poland. um, And she remembers growing up and her, she remembers her mother wanting, always wanting the best for her, the best schools, the best everything. And even though her mother was always rooting for her, she was always embarrassed by her (laughs) and did not want her around. And she remembered even when she moved to England um, that whenever her mother visited, she even felt a little awkward with her mother being around. And so, you know, this kind of follows a very familiar story for many people, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people can can uh, can relate to feeling embarrassed by their family members. And for what actually, this is kind of interesting. For certain characters, apparently there are certain animators that kind of puppeteer the characters because they're obviously all like physically made, Mm -hmm. um, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, And they kind of noted how Magda, when she is directing some of the characters, she has this like painterly feel to her characters. um, Whereas, and, and they actually note that it's a little different than Wallace and Gromit. And I can kind of see that. You can kind of see the way that they were made. Like uh, Kalina, who's the mom, or Annie, the daughter. They look, obviously, they're aliens. So they look a little different than Wallace and Gromit. But the humans look very Wallace and Gromit-esque. Like, Wedge looks like he could be related to (laughs) Wallace. Like Yeah, I was going to say, is it Wallace? Like, they have very similar, like... (laughs) The mouths, right? Yeah. Like they have a very yeah. similar human mouth sort of thing. They're they're like the characters in this one are certainly a bit more. They don't like lean into the like clay malleability as much in this in this cartoon. 
um, which I think makes for uh, their like there's a lot more detail in their characters. I feel like that I'm used to seeing on Wall and Gra- Wallace and Gromit, which is nice. Yes, and they were very excited about like going into. They actually said that they wanted to play with aliens and characters that did not have main character storylines in Star Wars. I was looking for the primary schools for my son, and then I started thinking about my mom. And how she always wanted the best for me in terms of schools and education. We come from an unprivileged background in Poland. I really owe her a lot. But when my mom comes to visit us in the UK, I feel a little bit awkward and I feel like we stand out. And I thought, why don't I make the characters aliens? The exciting possibility of visions is that we can shine a light on species and characters that wouldn't necessarily get featured in the main films, but we can explore these characters here and see where those journeys take us. We have a few main character Twi'leks, but like this is like a Twi'lek family that we haven't gotten to see before, which is really cool. And we also see a few different aliens that we haven't seen, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But I wanted to go a little bit back to that whole mother-daughter kind of thing. Actually, uh, Charithra, who is the voice actress for Annie, um, had the same exact kind of feeling that Magda did about like the mother embarrassing the daughter. And she strongly felt connected to Annie because she felt like her mother was constantly embarrassing her uh, <laughs> from like a cultural standpoint. The foods that I would bring would be different or the music we'd listen to or her cultural references would be different to other people's mums. And it was only as I got older I realised how special they were and actually they're things that I should actively be proud of. That is this story. So it really personally resonates with me. So I think that's really beautiful. I think it's something that a lot of people can find commonality in. Um, not only were they, <laughs> Not only do they find embarrassment in their parental figures but then you have this like flimsy awkward dog character um z1 or z1 yes and z1 magda's first dog was a sausage dog named zusha and that is where z1 comes from which i thought was really cute um so i i just thought that was really amazing i i love the fact that they you know, they resonated a lot of personal, you know, sensibilities and feelings into this episode. Yeah, this is a bit of a side note, but one of the cool things about having so many studios from across the world make Star Wars stuff is there are like puns that wouldn't make their way into these properties if they were just made by American studios. So like <laughs> Z1 for a family that calls each other Red 2 and Red Leader. Yep. And then like in, I don't remember which one it is, uh, but it was a Spanish studio, had a droid named E2, which I thought was very funny because that's a pun yes. specifically mm-hmm. for Spanish speakers. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's I a great call I love it so out. much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, um, the Z- when they were saying the Zed, I was like, I felt, I don't know, I sh- like obviously there's plenty of people who know like Zed, but like I felt like I was in on a little secret because I was like, oh, I know, I know what I know that's Zed. what Z is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I also I know we're gonna get into the actual episode details, but I just wanted to say like this episode like touched me a lot more than I thought it would because I definitely mm-hmm. have like growing up like and not like the you know we weren't like a rich family, so like I had like a little bit of like that kind of like nostalgia for like that kind of. The terridness, terridness. What am I trying to say? How torn um, the main character was in terms of like Mm. wanting, you know, the parent like wanting to do the best for them, but then also like the child feeling like having that kind of like a little bit of embarrassment. Like it definitely, like I think that like 
hits a lot more people than I think, you know, mm-hmm. they maybe thought that it would. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that they did a story like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, moving into the actual story, we'll we'll go a little bit into we'll go into the storyline. Of course, I'm gonna there's a few things I'm gonna rattle off here for a second. The Disney Plus description for this episode is uh, young pilot Annie, who is embarrassed by her sweet but clingy mum, must team with uh, with her for a madcap family race at the academy. <laughs> Along the way, their relationship is tested by the elements, their old ship, other races, and each other. And this was written and directed, like I said, by Magdalena Sinksa, uh, who's also um, written The Pirates, Band of Misfits, <laughs> DFS, The Great Sofa Caper, um, and then Holly Walsh, who is also part of Motherland, The Other One, and Dead Boss, and Barunka O'Shaughnessy, who's also um, a writer on Motherland as well. And a lot of these writers are... If these things aren't familiar to you, it's probably because they're very BBC heavy. (laughs) So if you're a BBC watcher, you're probably very familiar with these. This episode Um, goes out to all the BBC heads. Yeah, go all the BBC heads. (laughs) Uh, Same thing is going to be with the cast. Um, Maxine Peake is Kalina, who is the mother. She's an English stage, radio, and film and TV actress. Um, She actually played Hamlet. The title role in Hamlet, which I love because I did that once. And so I always feel really excited about that. Um, She's also known for the theory of everything, funny cow, keeping Rosie and Messiah the harrowing, all of which are British television as well. Theory of everything, I was going to say, sounds really familiar. It really does. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Charithra Chandran was, is Anna's Annie. Um, she is the British Indian actor based in London, known for being in Bridgerton. I think particularly Uh-oh. season two, which I haven't watched, uh-huh. but I, I assume that I probably need to because a lot of people really like it. Um, and then Edwina Sharma as Edwina Sharma in Bridgerton. Um, and then also Alex Ryder in Class S. And then Daisy Haggard is Dorota Von Riepel. The Von Riepels, the mother Von Riepel. Um, she's based in London as well. She's actually known for his her voice as the lift operator voice in the Harry Potter movies. Oh, so what? in Deathly Hollows and the Order of the Phoenix, whenever what? they go to the Ministry of Magic, she is the lift voice that you hear when they go in the lift. I don't know. That was like the most prominent thing. It's a very specific thing. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I wouldn't have yeah. guessed there even were elevators. Um but they have know. some weird the ministry is weird you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then i i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing this correctly i think it's it's either bb or bebe or bebe cave is julen von Riepel, the daughter <laughs> um uh known for tale of tales on chesil beach and great expectations and then we have dennis lawson as wedge antilles because he is Wedge Antilles, and he was Wedge yeah. Antilles in the original Star Wars movie. So. I have a question. Yeah. Is this the first, and if you've watched further than this, the only, Star Wars Visions uh, episode that references something from the actual like movies? Yeah, you're right. Um, so in the first season... There's a reference to Boba. Fett. Well, Boba Fett is in it. Oh, that's right. Okay. Oh, Jabba. that's true. Yeah. And I think. Oh yeah. Oh, and that yeah. was very much like this episode too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. They're very jokey. There's that's lots right. of parodies. I they were in there. 
But this is very, and I'll get into it because there's a whole scene where there's just like shit tons of Easter eggs. But there's like, yeah, I mean, Wedge Antilles himself is in it. So that's and pretty he's cool. Like, he's like a hero character. Like yes. he's like a huge <laughs> yes. character. And in a this. capitalist character. He's uh, got like all this franchise stuff, which is really funny. It's so but funny because people it's for Wedge. like. People love Wedge, but like yeah. not because he's in the movies, but because he had like this whole like life after the movies in like <laughs> books and comics and stuff. Yeah. So it's like so funny that he is he's this like big figure here. I love it. It it's so goofy. It's so funny. <laughs> um so let's just go ahead and dive right into it because we're all almost half an hour already Whoop. half an hour into this podcast. <laughs> um so we open up on a hollow of Wedge. This is your final call for the end-of-year family race of the Hannah City Flight Academy. It's our annual celebration of our pilot trainees and their families. Believe it or not, it's hosted by me, <laughs> Wedge and Tillis. Young cadets, Um, and he's talking about there being a final call for the end of the year family racers for what's called this this Hannah City Flight Academy on Chandrala, which Chandrala actually is a real planet in the Star Wars universe. Oh. Um, they did not make this up. They did not make this planet up, which well, we'll see in the next episode. Well, yes, they made it up, but I meant like in the Star Wars universe. It could be though. Uh, Who knows? Exactly. Yeah. True. Seriously. True. A very great point. Um, in the next episode, we will see that they have made an entire planet that hasn't been created from Star Wars yet. <laughs> but this one has actually Mon Mothma is from Chandrila. Oh, that's pretty cool. Mm. She represented her home world in the Senate of the Galactic Republic. It's also the home world and birthplace of Ben Solo. Oh, Whoa. fascinating! Isn't that so weird? Are you actually fascinated? No, or, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> the way you said that, <laughs> fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's just so, and and there's a whole bunch of notes. Obviously, if you go to Wikipedia about Chandrila being very like a like a high class kind of like place. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there is a very deep contrast between that and the working class, which we see with mm-hmm. Annie and her mother. So that's probably mm-hmm. the reason they kind of, you know, created that. Um, but in, in this intro, we see this hollow and then we quickly start seeing it being plucked apart by Jawas, <laughs> which is great. And we hear so our good. like favorite little Jawa noises, which is so good. And that's that's yeah, it is. Where we we do every single time we see a Jawa, we're just like, oh, it's so good to hear that. This is a slight aside, but since we talked about. No, no, no. Ewoks say Utini. That's yeah, you're right. No. I I, I, you know what they both said yeah whatever in college (laughs) we we roomed with someone who was like a they were like a big star wars fan but they were like kind of like i don't want to say they were like kind of like they didn't i'm I'm trying to think of how to say this but like they weren't like they weren't like your quintessential like nerdy person Mm -hmm. um but like we had no idea they liked star wars yeah uh, (laughs) we brought it up and they were like oh yeah they're like i love star wars i love the little ewoks and i love like because they always go around and they're like Hoochie Mama. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hoochie Mama. And so anytime I think of, like, 
And anytime I think of I know Jawas do say Utini. It's it's Iwas go Uchimama. That's how yeah. I remember the difference. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. The Huchimamas are the The Huchimama. They're the Huchimamas. That's what I'm always saying. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you ain't nothing but a Huchimama. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, oh my god. Okay, so they take away some of the parts and then very quickly we kind of go into Annie watching the same exact hollow in her house and there's like this chaotic moment where she's getting ready to go to the academy and her mom's like playing a guitar and then she suddenly like flies over and starts like working on this astromech droid who we find out is Zed1 who is just a mess. He's like a mess of a droid. Um <laughs> Do not slander Zed one. I know. Well, so he's very R two esque, obviously. Yeah, she turned an astromech into a dog. It's true, a wiener <laughs> dog, so which cool. is very Winky cute. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and I will say, I'll I'll say this later too, but their house very much look like looks like Aunt Brew and Uncle Owen's house, like from the inside, mm. like the mm. moisture farm, like the inside of their tugboat, which is also her ship, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Looks yeah, looks like that. It's it's just really cool. Um yeah. so Annie tells her mom she's headed to the academy and Kalina kind of jokes about saying something like, Oh, are you headed there? Like, are you racing there? And Annie's like, No, what? What are you what are you talking about? <laughs> Wait, she, what? Uh, Who said that? What? Race. <laughs> Never heard Exactly. Right. I'm off to the academy. Bye, Mom. Racing on four red, eh? Racing? No. I mean, uh, not me. You all right? Yeah. Uh, ooh. What's up with Z1? Because she doesn't <laughs> want her to know, obviously, that there is a family race today. Um, and so she tries to go running off really fast. But before she does that, Z1 does, like, he, like, stretches out when when Kalina finishes fixing him and, like, falls over. Oh, hits his little head. Yes, his head, like, you know, goes all crazy. And it causes him to play a video of Annie and her mom pulling moves on a starfighter when Annie was younger, which is very sweet. This is Red 2 to Red Leader. Do you copy? Aw, look at you. Copy that, Red 2. This is Red Leader. Here comes the Ryleth Roll. Very adorable, yeah. very cute. Yes, this is where we see them calling each other. What was it like, Red One and mm-hmm. and Red they talk Leader and Red Two. Yeah. Yes, and they talk about doing the Ryloth roll, which is very cute because Twi'leks are from Ryla Ryloth originally, so that's <laughs> kind of like a quintessential Twi'lek move, which is really cool. I'm assuming Hera probably knows the Ryloth role from Rebels. <laughs> One would assume. Yeah. One would assume. Um, but Annie goes running off, and of course, as soon as she leaves, her mom realizes, as everyone's mom always does, that she forgot her lunch. And, a cool uh, lunch, by the way. That was such a, a cool really lunch. cool lunch. Yes, yeah. it was like a cool ass like bento box sort of it was thing. Like bento meets rehydrated bread yeah. from yes. the sequel trilogy. <laughs> it was so cool. Love them, love them bringing back the rehydrated bread. That yes, was, that was. I cheered for that for sure. So cute. So as Annie goes to the academy, we see all these students and their families getting ready for the races. Wedge is there, of course, promoting branded products. 
Um, <laughs> one of Annie's friends who is actually a didin I don't know how to say it. It's like a Dinyan. A Dinyan. It's D-I-D-Y-N-O-N. But it is a race that... Why are you shaking your head? Because you don't know? No, I don't know. Uh, I thought you were like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> it's this race. He's this little green guy with the little eyeballs kind of like on the... He looks kind of like a frog. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually in Rise of Skywalker. It's the first... Not this mm-hmm. one, but that race. Okay. Um, it's a newer race in Star Wars. Yeah, so it, it's definitely a newer race because it's seen in Solo and or in Episode Nine. So it's definitely a newer race. And this old guy asks, like, hey, where's your mom? And she's like, oh, she's too busy. And then, of course, you know, the bad girl. The villain. Julian yeah. Von Riepel's like, oh, your mom's probably, like, messing with her space tug or whatever. Um and she talks about the, you know, her ship being like a porter potty. And by the way, space tugs are real. They are space tugboats and they are a real ship in Star Wars. Oh, so yeah. that's kind of cool. Um, and as the pilots are preparing their, you know, vehicles, we get this cool little scene where there's the Didnon racers uh, and they're kind of mocking <laughs> this Wookiee family. Dude, so good. I <laughs> so good. am obsessed with the way the Wookiees look. Arden's oh, yes! Wookiees are so good. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. They're so cute. I want cute. Like, merch of them. I do too. <laughs> I want them I... on my desk. I want them on t-shirts. Like, I want so much of Ardman's Wookiees. Yes. It's like, it's like the hair. Yes. And then their le- I feel like their legs are kind of skinny. But like <laughs> they just like they look disproportionate to like how Wookiees normally yeah. look. And but it like works. It works yeah. so mm-hmm. well. They're like weirdly well manicured, but like they're really cute. Like, like Harry popsicles with legs. Yes, yes, yes. that's exactly what they are. Also, Harry popsicles sounds like a uh, a, a parody of Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry popsicles. Not to bring not to bring that up again. But. Not again. No. Uh, my favorite moment, of course, and I was like screaming it as we were watching it, is the Didnon racers are kind of laughing at the little baby Wookiee, who I guess was crying, and they're like, oh, you crying, you little baby. And he, I'm assuming that the little toy that he has is a Gundark, because he rips the arms yeah, off of it. it has to be. And the whole quote from Han Solo is like, you know... Uh, don't you know? Don't play, don't play games with the Wookiee because you know they can rip the gun, the arms off a of gun, dark, blah blah blah. <laughs> and so I'm assuming that's where that came from, which was really funny. That's funny. Um, and I honestly, I I kind of swept over the part with the uh store, like all the stores, but we're gonna get back to that. Trust me, because there's like. I want to see how much stuff you guys can like point out from that part. <laughs> I'm so. gonna tell you. Oh boy! For Uh-oh. me, it's it's literally one thing. Okay. Well, we're gonna get to it, so don't worry. But basically, you know, we're not we're glossing over the stalls with all the merchandise, but there's so much that we're gonna come back to. Um, but as the pilots are preparing, they actually prepare their vehicles. They start revving up. And then a brawl falls from the sky. Uh, this was my favorite. And then a whole scene. bunch of other lawn. And I was so confused. I had no idea what was happening at this moment. And then a whole other load of laundry, and then the tugboat falls from the sky, and Kalina's just there, and she's just like... Oh my! Oh. 
said one. Mum! There you are. You left your lunch. Oh. Uh, thanks, Mum. But, but you didn't have to. Don't you have work? Oh, it's all right. I'll make up the hours. So, what's happening? Are everyone's parents here? Sorry for the delay to the family race, folks. Family race? For families? It was such a perfect scene. Like, it, it honestly. Was it was so great. <laughs> This monumental moment, like probably like the, you know, this huge ceremony, um, this pod racing, basically, for lack of a better term of what's about to happen. Um, when she finally does realize what's happening, though, you know, Annie's like, you know, there's there's a family race and Kalina's kind of pissed off. She's like, well, I'm your family, so let's fucking go. And she's like <laughs> ready to fucking roll. And so Annie begrudgingly gets into the tugboat with her mom. They start flying off and. Very quickly, the two racers that really aren't part are prominently part of this episode kind of get get taken off, yeah. right? Like the baby Wookiee steers the family off into the like they get Pure totally chaos. sidetracked because of the four. <laughs> I don't know why they decided to bring like a baby Wookiee with them, they, but they didn't die, did they? Uh, no, they're you do not say that because <laughs> Wookiees can't die. Don't say that ever. Well, first of all, I think tons of Wookiees die. No, in the history of Star we're not Wars, talking about it. I know, but Must, like, no. no, I'm being serious. Did we? We didn't see them like crash. No, did we? I don't. No. Okay, I don't know. It was a little violent. Some of the ways some of them crashed were pretty violent. No, but it's honest. like Ardman violent. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. There's it's like no silly blood. and goofy. It's just there's guts. no blood. No blood. But just guts. <laughs> <laughs> Which you could you could you could argue is worse, but. Ugh. Um, and also the the Dinyan racers also they like tear their own steering wheel off by accident somehow. Like none of these people really seem to know how to pilot. So yeah, I don't know how what, did they get to this on. point in their <laughs> career exactly. in their like education? Yeah, the Van Reeples were also fucking people up, right? Like, yes, they also, they like, shot oh yeah, shit to knock people around and all that. You know, for sure they started sabotaging very quickly. Um, they actually like start ramming into Kalina's ship. And Kalina gets kind of pissed off and tells Zed-1 to activate the thrusters. And when they do, they fly through Wedge Antilles' face in a, in a uh, <laughs> billboard, which is so great because like, they, like, knock his teeth out, of course. And then they're in this dangerous tunnel of just, like, live wires. And uh, Annie has to take governance of the ship while her mom goes out to try to capture Zed-1 who's kind of gotten stuck to the back this is an amazing like you know piloting scene where they both have to kind of work together and um I kind of shot over this point and I definitely need to go back to it so before they go through stop laughing at me before they go through <laughs> the tunnel when they really start working together this is when they have this entire conversation where Kalina is just trying to figure out what's going on and Annie finally erupts and says like Mom! This is exactly why I didn't want to race. What is? All of this. This this piece of old junk is embarrassing. Z1 barely functioning is embarrassing. You! You are embarrassing! <gasps> oh, sweetheart. Is that how you really feel? It's like this first inciting incident, right? Where it's like, I finally confessed to my mom why I haven't allowed her to be part of my life. But now they start to be, you know, they're forced now to work together. And Kalina is a fucking badass. Like, she's a fucking badass. She's yeah. such a yeah. cool character. She just takes the reins. She's like, whatever. We'll talk about this later. 
you know, we need to figure this out. Yeah. As they start going through the tunnel, the Van Reeples, this is where they really start to sabotage. And they have these like Death Star, Death Star shaped <laughs> laser cannons. Which is Wild. so perfect because their character, like their design language is all like Darth Vader shapes. Like yes. their heads are basically Vader helmets and like the mom's shoulders are very like squared off and she has like a cape, like Absolutely. <laughs> so over the top and beautiful. It is perfect. And actually, um, I'll have to go back and watch it again now that I've seen the filmmaker focus, but they also make a point to talk about the colors in this episode and Mm. the emotions that are connected to the colors. So if you watch this again, the deep reds are when there are angry moments and when there are like frustrating Mm. moments. And the blues are more of like the confident moments, which is really funny because we also associate red with the dark side and blue mm-hmm. with like a lightsaber, a Jedi lightsaber, blah, blah, blah. So it was kind of interesting how they use those contrasting colors. And every time we see the Von Reeples, there's this very bright red mm-hmm. and angry. And we even see them not being able to work. I mean, the mother literally like grabs her daughter and starts shaking her in the middle of the fight. And of course, their anger ends up making them crash because mm-hmm. they're not concentrating on what's going on while they're trying to uh, shoot, you know, the uh, Twi'leks down. Annie does of course the Ryloth roll and is able to get them to safety and they win. Yay. <laughs> and uh, the episode, I mean, the episode flies pretty fast. I mean, I kind of flew through a lot of that, but the, the gist of the episode kind of happens very quickly yeah. once you get there. There's not a lot yeah. of like, it's not a heavy plot episode. Like yes. it's, it's kind of like, there's this thing that needs to happen. Yes. There's, you know, but it's still very poignant, right? Because at the end we have this moment where uh, we have a winner. So you did learn a few things at your fancy Academy then. <laughs> I've learned a lot from you, Mom. I'm sorry. I should have told you about the race. Even if you can be a little bit embarrassing. Sometimes. Of course I'm embarrassing. I am your mother. And it's like, that's the whole point of me being your mom, is that I can be embarrassing, but that's that's kind of why I'm here. So, And I got your back. Exactly, yeah. yes. That's very sweet. Um, before I get into all these crazy ass Easter eggs, is there anything else you guys want to kind of pull out or talk about about this episode? I want to like, I want to just like talk about the. So first of all, I connected with Kalina because the first scene that you see of her, it she's like listening to like some kind of like heavy, <laughs> yeah, punk ass music. Out. She's so dope. Yeah, it's so good. And She's so awesome. It's funny, Doug, because you mentioned uh, the the episode, or you mentioned we talked about the. Uh, now I'm blanking on the episode title, but the episode I think it's the second episode Sith. in the first, no, the first season of. Oh, okay. Um, of visions, there was the kind of like punk rock band, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and so Tatooine Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Yeah. Yes, that's it. And it's interesting that she's listening to like a punk band, and at yeah. first I was like, maybe they like slipped in like Wouldn't a that nod be so to that. cool, um, but it wasn't. I mean, um, those the, those two episodes, the more I think about it, like this one and that one are so similar in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and watch Tattooing Rhapsody again. Yes. <laughs> Which so I, good. I maintain, we said this when we did our kind of wrap up of the first season, but like, I think that would make such an amazing 
individual like show in some yes. way. Just following a band around. I yeah. think mm-hmm. same thing with this one. Um, it would be so great if you had like, you know, Annie and her mom like mm-hmm. racing like you know throughout kind of like the galaxy. I think that mm-hmm. would be a really cool entry into Star Wars. That's like not Jedi. You know I what love I mean? That yeah. Yeah. Or even she goes on to be the pilot, right? Because she's yeah she's, um, yeah. Training to she be meets Hera. Oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be so cool. Yeah. I like this one a lot. I think a lot of um a lot of what I find charming and like whimsical about Ardman shows through here, like a lot of the way that they do their camera angles. Um I freaking love I laughed so loud because it mm-hmm. felt so right. The way that they have the scene where the Van Reeples actually like crash is so funny to me because they're like crashing their ship. They're like losing the race. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just this like really flat camera angle from the side where it's just like dink boink. Like yes. it's so funny to me. I love that shit. And like when the airbag when the Joel is like trying to say something and then the airbag just like pops in her face. <laughs> yes. I love yeah. I, that's such a classic like just move in, so good. in like any kind of comedy thing that involves mm-hmm. a car. Um, I, I did want to mention, um, so when they were lining up all the vehicles at the very beginning, I I like... We oh, we're pa- getting to that. Yeah. We're getting to the Easter eggs. I was going to say, we paused it a couple of times and I was like, I know that these, these vehicles we've seen before. And the mm-hmm. only one I could really <laughs> kind of figure out was one of the ships looked just like uh i forget the name of it um but there is a ship in uh, jedi survivor and well i don't know if it's in jedi survivor but it's in jedi fallen order Stinger mantis yeah the mantis there's a mantis ship at the mm-hmm. starting line of this uh episode and it's just like the mantis from from that game yeah nice. so speaking of easter eggs were there any other ones that you guys clocked as you were watching this Oh jeez! Uh, I'm, not to, I'm not failing. Not in it for the vibes of this episode. Yeah, that is totally okay. <laughs> I was definitely vibing. I did see. So this is not. I mean, I'm cheating here, but I did see that there was a a, ro- uh, a robot from Wallace and Gromit somewhere in there. Yes, oh, yes. Oh, I yes. did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So not even just Star Wars. There was definitely some Wallace and Gromit stuff, which is really cool. So well, let's throw the <laughs> let's throw the obvious one out, which is Annie. Which is a reference to Anakin. Anakin. Yes. I actually didn't even have that on here. but uh, So the first one going through the episode, uh, Annie in her room has posters of Wedge and she actually has a poster of Hera in her room, which is really cool. I meant to look closer at those posters and then I just didn't. I know. So I'm not (laughs) going to lie. I did not see all of this either. This is stuff that I found on the internet that I will have to go back and also see. Um, and Blue Squadron leader Anton Merrick. So she has like three different mm. pilots in her room, which is really cool. Nice. Also in Annie's room, which I definitely have to go back and see, is a plushie of Max Rebo, <laughs> <laughs> which is my favorite little guy from the Cantina band. Uh, apparently, sh- this is kind of cool. There's a, a thing of like Luke's, according to the internet, it is Luke Skywalker's floppy hat and goggles, which is only seen in a deleted scene from New Hope. Hmm. So it's not I, even in the movie. Deep cut. Yeah, yeah, very deep cut. Like, obviously, like, kind of cool, though. When uh, Kalina is welding and working on uh, Zed-1, she has a helmet on, and it's actually a Mandalorian helmet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, did, really I did cute. catch that. Yeah. Um, speaking of ships, so when the ships line up, there's the Stinger Mantis from Jedi Survivor. And then also... 
Um, the Wookiee ship's supposed to look like Luke's land speeder, which you can see <gasps> if you look back at that. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot uh-huh. of sense. Yeah. And then the Van Riebel ship is supposed to look like a Naboo Royal Starship. Yeah, it definitely looked more uh, Nabooian yeah, than like, like anything class. else around. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, oh my God! So, oh wait, before that, the the Wallace and Gromit thing. This is so fun to me. So, on a countertop at Annie's house, which, like I said, I thought at least looked like Aunt Brew and Uncle Owen's house. There is a model starship that's actually the ship that Wallace and Gromit ride on in a Grand Day oh, Out when they go to the yes. moon. That's iconic Wallace and Gromit content. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that they, yeah, I love that they're referencing their own stuff. <laughs> so good. That's how I learned the moon was made of cheese. I don't, I don't know, you know. Makes total sense. That's not, wait, that's not like the first no. reference. Okay, no, I was going to say. But no, that's just why good. they go to the moon is because they want, they want a good slice of cheese. Ah, yes. Oh, yeah. now I want cheese. Jesus now so I want good. moon. Now I want moon. Um, so there's an entire stall. This is what I was getting back to that has like merchandise, but specifically there's a stall that they say has things touched by Luke Skywalker in it. Um, so there's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So there's like a training remote that he used on the Millennium Falcon to train, you know, the little, oh my um, God. The floating droid that he used. And then there's his lightsaber. Um, There's a set of macro binoculars, a hunting rifle, a toy T-16 Skyhopper. And of course, everything touched by Luke Skywalker wouldn't be complete without Luke Skywalker's severed hand also there somehow. (laughs) You know why I love this so much? One, I don't believe any of that stuff was touched by Luke Skywalker. (laughs) (laughs) And two, one, like, when there's a book called uh, The Legends of Luke Skywalker, which is basically this show, but in book form, but it's all about, like, (laughs) legends people tell about this figure named Luke Skywalker, because Luke Skywalker does his thing and then largely disappears, right? So people just, like, talk about him, and what I love about that book is that you don't know if the stories people are telling are real or embellished or totally yes. made up. And I feel like that that booth of things touched by Luke Skywalker is like the perfect sort of companion to that book where it's just like people telling the mythology of Luke Skywalker, this like mysterious figure who saved the galaxy. <laughs> it's gotta be, it's gotta be a reference to that. Also, you mentioned, I think that book and maybe the yeah. manga on y'all's episode about Star Wars. Uh-huh. And... I, when you mentioned that, I like cheered to myself because I was like, yes, I have that manga and it's so good. (laughs) It's so great. I mean, that's awesome. That to me, like I want, before Visions was a thing, I was like begging for them to adapt to Legends of Luke Skywalker because Mm -hmm. you could get this, right? Like not only would you get different studios to do different stories, but a lot of what was cool about that book is what they're doing here, which is just that not everybody experiences the force the same way, right? Not like there's so many corners of the galaxy we've never seen. So I love that book and this feels like the spiritual successor to it. Absolutely. Um, And then (laughs) next to this stall is uh, a stall with some other little great little icons. Uh, Princess Leia's gold bikini, uh, a (laughs) stormtrooper helmet, uh, some plant pots that look like R2. Uh, there's some little wooden banthas. We see some blurgs and some porgs. We see I some porg balloons. Yes, porgs too, yeah. they're so cute. 
Um, and then apparently there's also in the back some toilet stalls specifically for Jawas, humans, and Wookiees because their mm, sizes no. are different. Hmm. So that's kind of cool. And like I said, I, I didn't see this, but I'm pretty sure the baby Wookiee's holding a gun dark because of that little <laughs> It's gotta slip, be. It's but... gotta be. Even if it's not, the arms being ripped off is clearly a reference. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, I don't know, Katie or Doug, if you've seen the new Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, but I there's... have not. Yeah, there, this it's is actually a, really good. Yeah, it is very good. But uh, this <laughs> really isn't a spoiler. It. But there's a this has the, like these stalls. There's like a vibe of like where they like kind of throw a lot of just references at you. That's something mm-hmm. that happens kind of in that movie. And I like I'll be honest. Like I know a lot of times that comes across as like fan servicey and like it's just kind of that. But I fuck, I fucking love. No, I, yeah, it's still <laughs> that kind of so stuff. cute. I think this is the best way you can do it because it's 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 set dressing and it's you can it's so easy to write off as like um just like shit they're peddling. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So you can throw anything in there and it's better I think that's better than like putting something on like a starship dashboard and you're just sort of like why is that there other than to be a reference? I mean, you can fill a stall like with anything you want. Mm-hmm. Yep. Are there any other lasting things that you guys want to want to say about this before we move into a totally different episode with yeah. a totally different <laughs> vibe and studio. Yeah. Uh, for me, like I said, I think this one kind of like touched me like yeah. in a different way than I was expecting. Again, like I, I wasn't like super familiar with Wallace and Gromit kind of going into this. So I'll be honest, like, I don't want to say I was, like, least excited about this episode kind of going into it, but, like, it wasn't one that I was, like, like it wasn't one that, like, grabbed my attention, I think, like, some mm-hmm. of the, the, the initial ones that we've talked about. But after watching it, I was, like, I was, like, yes, this is this is awesome. And it actually makes me really want to watch, like, mm-hmm. some of their other stuff and watch some of the Wallace and Gromit stuff just because, mm-hmm. like, I have such a good appreciation for what they do now. Um, and also, too, the way they told the story in such a way that's, like, really fast-paced very entertaining and very heartfelt like mm-hmm. it was just such a good uh good entry i think into visions and just star wars in general mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think uh for me one of the things that i was like really reflecting on was like oh my god am i old now because i feel like i'm relating to the mom so much more than i would <laughs> with the kid <laughs> Yeah. Like, why are you embarrassed by your mom? She's cool as hell. She's right? fucking like, badass. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and at first, uh, Tommy, in that scene you were talking about before with like the mom listening to like this, you know, punk metal music type stuff. At first, when I was watching that scene, I was so confused because I thought, you know, uh, Annie like touches her earbud stuff and then it starts playing. So I thought she was listening to the music. And I was like, why is she acting like that? Like, ah. why is she acting so subdued with this like rock and music on? And then it was the mom. And I was like, oh, my yeah. gosh, your mom is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to hang out with your mom. Like, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I guess we don't know how old Annie is, nor do we know how old Kalina is. Kalina could just be our peer listening to That's the same music true. we listen to <laughs> right now. A thousand percent. She probably is. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I'm a 30 something year old who listens to like mid 2000s punk rock music. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. We're old, yeah. and this this episode really hit home because like I do not relate as much to the child anymore. So <laughs> nope. I'm full on parent age, I guess. We're there. <laughs> We're there. Yeah, I definitely had kind of like a you know, it's like the the, the child. Like Annie is very much like 
you know, mom. And I was definitely on the side of just like, dude, your mom is so cool. Like, just hang out with her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also really uh, liked uh, Kalina recovered so quickly and like just rolled the punches of like someone telling you you're embarrassing. She like yeah. handled it so well. Uh, what yeah. a healthy emotional life uh, Kalina must yeah. have. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so impressed. And I like and appre- I mean, there's certainly a place for this, but I like that this particular episode doesn't make it like this big explosive, mm-hmm. like uncomfortable thing to witness. Like it's uncomfortable because it's, it's it's gonna be inherently, but you know it doesn't cause this huge riff. Like you said, no. the recovery is so quick, and like yeah. Kalina is so comfortable with who she is that she's like, mm-hmm. eh, you'll figure out how cool I am. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love that, and I really appreciated the like relationship between them. And clearly, I mean, they're gonna get stronger in the future, juxtaposed mm-hmm. against. I was just going to call them the Dosseldorfs. I forget what their names are. The Vandolans, <laughs> whatever. The assholes. Van yeah, that sounds right. Um, but like, I mean, Cass, you mentioned when uh, the mom in that one like took the wheel and that's when they ended up crashing. And like when um, Kalina allowed Annie to pilot and trusted her completely, they like won and did wonderful. And so I oh, really love that juxtaposition. Yeah. That's such a good call. I didn't even mm-hmm. pick up on that. That's so good. There's mm-hmm. also like this, like such a tiny brief moment in in that scene where she, where the Van Riepel mom takes the wheel, where the daughter goes, I'm trying. And you're like, yeah. oh, I may, maybe I actually feel really bad yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> you just want love, little kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just looking for approval. Clearly, they don't have the same thing going on. Yeah, they've got yeah. more shit to figure out for sure. I also think it's it's interesting that like and we talked a little bit about like the capitalism in terms of like the merchandising and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's also pretty apparent that the Van Reeples, um I also like <laughs> I like what you call them, Katie, the the the, the Dusseldorfs. <laughs> Dusseldorfs. I don't even know. I'm just making up rich sounding like names in my mind. Yeah. Dusseldorf, Darth Vader. But I like I like the juxtaposition of the fact that like they're kind of like the rich family mm-hmm. and they're positioned as like kind of like the you know, the their 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 empire hair is shaped sympathist. Yeah, it's yeah. empire sympathist. Yeah, and like their They've hair is shaped like Darth Star. Vader. Yeah, they got the Death Star. Like it's yeah, proudly who puts a displayed on their Death Star. Yeah, like what evil. the fuck? What? Uh, <laughs> look, I I will shout it from the rooftops. I totally uh-huh. am on board with that message. But it's like I I do like that. There's that aspect of it too, in terms of like you know just showing that. I just is... realized they have a fucking like genocidal weapon as like truck nuts on their car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Like what, what the yeah. fuck? If there were bumper that is stickers, so twisted. They would have gross bumper stickers on the back of yes. the windshield. Hundred percent. Ugh. Yeah. That's gross. Yep. <laughs> anyway, they suck. <laughs> they suck. Yeah. I do like that in the like potential sequel series or whatever it is, where like you know Annie goes on to be a pilot. You know, maybe eventually there's like a redemption arc for the daughter who's like, yeah. mm-hmm. like you know, gets to like live her life and no longer has a you know Darth Vader haircut. Yes. <laughs> goes to college, meets some people, learns yeah, things you know? about herself. <laughs> you know. If they were to do a sequel like that, it would be a situation where, like, she gets, like, 
she has to like save someone and like there's like a fire or something and she like she like picks her head up and her hair is like burnt into like <laughs> it's burnt into like a uh like princess leia buns like that's what it would be absolutely a yes <laughs> and a septum ring yeah. and a septum <laughs> ring just appears exactly common side effect of saving someone from a fire yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> All right. Well, we're like I said, we're definitely moving through to a different kind of vibe, but yeah. still riding on the coattails of awesomeness. We're moving into episode five, which is called Journey to the Dark Head, which is a very strange episode title until you figure out what the rest of the episodes are. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, these titles gave me nothing. Yes, I, I was some, very confused. Even though I am a mother or I am your mother is very clearly a Star Wars reference, I associate that sentence with Tony Collette screaming at a child. So <laughs> I was like, what what moment are they referencing? I like, love who that. is going to scream about being someone's mother? And then yes. the second title, I was like, I have no idea what this means. Yeah, this one was weird as shit, but ended up being incredible. So this is Studio Murr from Seoul, South Korea. Uh, Murr itself actually comes from the Russian word peace, which was the, and Murr was also the first space station ever launched in human history, huh. which is where they get their name from. Uh, from their website, it says Studio Murr was founded based on the lesson of the space station, which is advanced through collaboration. Uh, a place that houses best the best artists in the animation field and passionate young artists together to achieve oneness through collaboration. Today, mm-hmm. the contents uh, the contents of the industry is evolving rapidly with signs of new paradigms being created to this new media environment. To be leading new paradigms, which is yet to be known in the world today, every talented and passionate artist with a shared vision must come together like the scientist at the space station, Mur. The very familiar animations that you might know from the studio are The Legend of Fucking Korra, which Hell is so yeah. cool. Um, the Boondocks 4, mm-hmm. uh, Voltron, Legendary D, yeah. uh, Bard the Wandering Caretaker, uh, also some Dota, Dragon's Blood, and then also this show called, it's like Look Slash SM, which I looked up the huh. uh, storyline for it and I can't find it now. But basically, it was about... (laughs) Oh, I wish I could find it now. So Look SM, what I looked up is like this group of people that are like really good looking versus people that are not very good looking. It's a very weird... (laughs) Wait. (laughs) But it looks really cool. (laughs) Is this on Netflix? Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Have you seen it? I haven't watched it though. No. Okay. It looks fascinating and really funny. (laughs) Yes. But I definitely want to look into it. But This dude also did Kipo, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. Which is a definitely a noteworthy one. We are big fans of Studio Mer's work. Their story is mythic. It's world building and it's conflict between good and evil. We admired their staging, their action, their design work. So they were very quickly someone we thought, like, it would be great to work with them. The animation style of Mirror kicks into high gear during these fights and chases. It's beautiful and graceful. At the same time, it's shocking and tragic. It really fit into the Vision's aesthetic in a really beautiful way and in a way that feels totally unique to everything else in volume two. 
So in the filmmaker focus for this specific one, The Journey to Darkhead, it opens up with uh, Chung Se-rung, who is one of the writers. And she remembers seeing The Phantom Menace, just like we do, as a millennial, after school, (laughs) in middle school. But what's funny is that what she took away from it is that she wanted to live like an X-Wing pilot. Like, that's... Huh. What she got from that, like Wait, from the Phantom Menace, yes, and just from or from like any oh, from Star Wars, yes, from like okay. any pilot. Like she loved the fact. It's really funny because she says, and this is a quote. She says, like, even though they break apart and no one remembers them, they keep going and fight for good. Aww. Which is really sweet, but yeah. also sad because like they do. There's a lot of di- dead pilots, but yeah. <laughs> like oh, yeah. the fact that they just keep kind of going at it and everyone remembers them as you know who they are. Um. And of course, that's a big part of this episode because there's a pilot um, who ends up taking this journey with one of the Jedi. And there's a Jedi and a pilot who have both kind of in some way lost their faith. And together they kind of find faith in themselves and each other. Really quick, uh, I wanted to just pause and ask, do either of you all, because I know we listed a bunch of like credits from this. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Are y'all, just like we talked about with Ardman, are y'all fans of any of the stuff that we talked about? I have a feeling... Legend oh, of Korra yeah. <laughs> yeah. might be one oh, that we're all... I don't know. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> fucking Legend of Korra. What, uh, it, like, I, I still regularly watch it. It's so good. And, like, I read the comics now to continue to try and live in that I world. I didn't even realize there were comics. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it continues. You can get some more, um, some more queer content in those comics, which is yes. what I am all about. Uh, I was going to say, and like Doug and I were recently talking about how, I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, how we need justice for Korra in terms of an actually good video game for her. Um, So please, if anybody listening to this has the power to make that happen, (laughs) I will play it. I will play it so hard. Yeah. Um, And I've watched Kipo, which is a very different vibe. Legend of Korra, I like understood like within the context of uh this episode and then Kipo was like holy shit that that is very different uh than what (laughs) I just watched uh but I like that they've got range yeah I was gonna say it is and and we started watching uh Kipo um and I don't think we got very far into it but like I definitely was super intrigued by it um I know that Cassie was like a big fan of Legend of Korra Um, oh yeah LL and also the original Avatar, yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I've watched all of that many times. Yeah, so the uh, mm-hmm. the Voltron series too. That was another uh, one that was like, yeah, yes, <laughs> very good. Yes, so fun. You know, it's it's interesting as we've been doing this series, we've kind of talked a lot about how you know they 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 really want to bring in obviously different studios, mm-hmm. but kind of like different like levels in terms of like what you know well-known studios versus like kind of just starting out studios and stuff mm-hmm. like that and it's this is the first time that we've done an episode where it's like two back-to-back really kind of like hitters. heavy hitter studios yeah yeah well it, that's i mean i love that so much because you have some episodes uh like you were talking about in the in your first episode covering this season like el giri basically getting together yeah to do this series essentially so cool and then like studio trigger who's like massive <laughs> like yes. right. i just think that's so awesome yeah so some of the other stuff that they talk about in this filmmaker focus that i thought was really cool is the way they intertwine kind of star wars lore with uh korean lore 
which is really, mm. really neat. And the way they kind of create um, some kind of artistic relevance to uh, kind of Eastern culture with Star Wars culture, because there already kind of is that, right? In the Jedi faith, in the Jedi persona. Um, there's a lot of stuff that comes from that. We've talked about that before, of course, mm-hmm. with Japan. But, you know, there's a lot of other Eastern cultures that have a lot of um, traditional elements that are very infused with uh, the Jedi. And it's almost like, it, it was actually kind of confusing to me, to be honest, because um, the main one of the main characters... Ara, I at first thought was the Jedi because she was like mm, on this mm. in this oh, temple, yeah. but then she ends up being the pilot, which mm-hmm. was a little confusing. But she's part of this group of like Force oracles, mm-hmm. right? That like see these premonitions or you know moments of the past and these pebbles. But they talk about the reason that they have kind of these moments is because they wanted to study or they wanted to kind of delve into something and they actually set this story way before the star Wars movies. We don't know if we're going far back as like, yeah, we don't know if we're going as far back as like high Republic or old Republic, but like clearly somewhere much before what we're seeing now in the movies, which Mm -hmm. I think is really cool and a much more raw visceral um, understanding of what the force is. And, and, and the opposing sides of the force. And another thing they wanted to focus on was, so I talked earlier about uh, Chung Se Reng, who says that she, you know, wanted to live like an X-Wing pilot. Another thing that she also said was that she wanted to talk about, she always wondered what the nameless Padawans got to witness. Mm. Like the very dark things that oh. they saw, not even just the whole Anakin thing, oh. because clearly that happens in the future, mm-hmm. but something similar to that, was that, a lot of Padawans really got, really saw a lot of rough shit, and we don't get yeah. to talk about that, which clearly is part of Toll's story because he sees his master die in such a brutal way in this episode. We'll talk about. Well, and um, Doug, you uh, and I, I'm not, I, I don't know, Katie, if you've read any of like the High Republic stuff, but I know Doug, mm-hmm. you're like, you, mm-hmm. you've definitely followed on some train. of the, the High Republic kind of yeah. arc, so. Um, did you pick up anything like from this episode that felt similar to like the kind of older, we'll call it uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Star Wars stuff? Not specifically. I mean, like it feels very separate. Like I couldn't place when it was supposed to be. So that makes sense mm-hmm. now that you say that, Cassie. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, I would say the big thing, and this carries through a lot of these episodes. One of the things that's so fun about the High Republic is that it's not so rigid in um in how it portrays like lightsabers and uh costuming and stuff like that so like getting to see different lightsabers in this is something i also get very excited about in the high republic but that's not necessarily (laughs) you know a specific connection or anything (laughs) still really cool though um yeah uh, the big deep connection between this fissure between like light and dark is actually something that they spoke about where was the prominence of yin and yang which is very prominent in Asian mm-hmm. culture. And, and clearly we very much see with uh, the Jedi and the Sith. Um, they wanted to bring uh, the art director, uh, whose name is Kanye Tae, wanted to bring both the traditional elements of Korean culture and the futuristic elements of it, which we both, which we also see in Star Wars. So like we have this fusion of sci-fi, but also with a very traditional bent. So he wanted to make sure that like the Korean elements were brought into the world to create something blended that was blended well with nature. So we see these, if you see these lines specifically in Bishan's like helmet, these circular lines or like the circular, like um, 
uh, I said circular lines. That doesn't make sense. Like these circular like inscriptions in the temple. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to resonate if you've ever looked up, and this is spelled H-A-E-T-A-E, uh, Hete. Uh, there are statues of like lion. They're like lion statues, like a very, myth- it's a mythological creature that's very um, uh, well-respected and kind of known in, in Korean culture, but also has a different name in Japanese culture and Chinese culture. You see mm. these like mm-hmm. lion dog dragon mm-hmm. yeah um and you'll see those like swirls and circles oh you're, yeah yes. i know exactly what you're talking about because in pokemon uh the Hisuian, yep it's arcanine basically <laughs> i saw tommy's eyes light up and i was like that's exactly what i'm thinking of um but they have that kind of if you look back at the temple um it has very similar uh illustrations in it um, and these yeah. statues are in uh, Gyeongbokgung Palace in Korea. There's like just very defined lines and colors. And they also use the jade green of the Goreo Celadon. If you look back at the temple, it's a lot of like jade green. Hmm. Um, and there's a lot of octagon shapes in there too. And these are seen uh, frequently in uh, Joseon cultural artifacts. The octagon shape apparently symbolizes the connection between heaven and earth, uh, hmm. relaying the will of heaven to earth. So there's this very grounded connection between like past and future um, deities and like more earthly things, which I just think is just, it's just really cool. Um, They really, really thought very carefully about everything they did, which I think is just so beautiful and amazing. Not even just the art, but the music, Mm. uh, which is a whole, holy shit. Okay. So like, um, sorry, I'm getting really excited. So the composer... (laughs) Uh, Sung Young Kyu wanted to blend Star Wars music with Korean elements as well. And you'll notice if you listen back to this episode, there's very Star Wars like orchestral moments, but he actually uses traditional Korean instruments. There's oh like K- Korean drums and violin. He even uses Korean instruments to make the lightsaber sounds. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and if you listen to the lightsabers, they have a very distinct sound that is very different. And he also. He also made the lightsaber sound different for the Sith and for the Jedi. And nice. so he talks about, no yes. So Song Young Kyu talks about how Bishan's lightsaber was supposed to seem inhuman and otherworldly. And it actually has um, like human voices like in it, like this ghostly weird. <laughs> yeah. It's so fucking crazy and cool. They did, oh, they did just such cool shit with him and with everybody else. Um, one other thing I wanted to point out, sorry, this, this filmmaker focus was so cool. Uh, one of the voice actors, one of the American voice actors, uh, that did the, the dub, uh, is Eugene Yang. Yeah. Who we'll talk about, which is really cool, but he plays Toll. So he talks about like, how do you describe voicing a lightsaber duel? Because it's one of the things you always do when you're a kid and then you suddenly realize that you're having to do it as a job <laughs> and it becomes, it comes really easy, but like. I, I just thought that was really neat, like that he just talked about that, and then the combination of like all the different lightsaber noises is just really neat. Um, I just like sorry, I like no, rattled off a lot, but that I <laughs> it's so fascinating, and one of the things that's so good about like this series, like we, we I, we've gotten to see this so much more this season of like just the amount of just varied perspectives mm-hmm. right that people can bring in and like the amount of just like really cool elements people can do in like these like 
15 minute, 20 minute like shorts. And yet these are the longest podcast episodes we've ever well, had. Yeah, <laughs> but it's because well, you get to do production stuff for like every single one, you know? Right. <laughs> but like I was going to like there's so much to talk about, though. Like it, I think yeah. it's such a beautiful and we talked about this on the last episode where like you could easily just like phone in, you know, doing one of these episodes, right? Like you, you're doing something that's Star Wars. It's going to get views, right? Like you could just, if your studio gets like contracted to do it, you could very easily just be like, oh yeah, we'll just do kind of like our normal thing and like go for it. But like all of these studios are going out of their way to do something that's so special and so unique. And like the fact that they're doing like voices mixed in with like the sounds for the lightsabers like that gave me chills like Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's really clear that they like care about the stories they're telling especially because they get to create the characters and stuff but this is also i mean this is a massive stage for any one of these studios even the firmly established ones you know like this is a chance to i mean this is maybe a cynical way to look at it but like this is a chance to show off what you can do in front of an audience who's maybe never paid attention to you before Mm -hmm. yep Mm -hmm. i mean like i said i want to I want to watch Wallace and Gromit stuff. Like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's working and it's, yeah, it's working. Like, and it's, ah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's really cool that it's through the lens of like something as silly as star Wars. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That like we get to experience like some of these and learn like a lot about, uh, you know, about mm-hmm. other cultures and stuff like that through star Wars, which we've talked about how it's like taken, taken is like a bad term. Obvious, but it has like taken like in some ways like from no, it has cultures yeah, it has. and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's but, a like, bad term because it's a bad thing they did, and yeah, yeah and they just kind of did it <laughs> without um, any. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. But like, yeah, it's it's just great to be able to like, I don't know. It, it, it's great to have that inverse kind of happen mm-hmm. too, of like kind yeah. of you know be able to learn this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, we're gonna move now into the actual episode. I'm gonna do my little shenanigans of going over a little <laughs> bit more info. <laughs> Um, the summary for this one, Journey to the Dark Head, is a hopeful mechanic and a disillusioned young Jedi team up for a risky and unlikely quest to turn the tide of the Galactic War, but dark forces tail them. And can I just say the Disney Plus summaries for these are way better than all the other summaries of every other Star Wars thing? <laughs> like, they're not like, ominous and stupid. <laughs> a lot of everything else. Some of yeah. the like, yeah. Spider-Man summaries that oh, we yeah. get for Walloping Web Snappers are like... Spider-Man teams up with another hero to fight villains. And you're like, cool. Oh, my God. Yeah, we, you could say that for every episode. Do yeah. <laughs> do you Anakin think... and Obi-Wan get into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> do you think, like, the studios help craft the, like, maybe. description? Oh, yeah, maybe for new stuff they do. That would actually make a lot of sense. Whereas, yeah. like, for Spider-Man or Clone Wars, maybe yeah. it is somebody at Disney um, who's, who's doing that for them. Yeah. Just being like... I don't know how many damn Whatever. times can I talk about Anakin getting into mm-hmm. trouble? Exactly. <laughs> Again. <laughs> this one was written by Chung Se-rang, a South Korean science fiction and fantasy writer. She was the youngest Korean writer to have her books translated to Japanese. Oh. Um, her novel School, uh, School Nurse on and Young was made into a Netflix series. So she actually hmm. has her own Netflix series that was nice. based oh, awesome. on one of her novels as well. Um, this was directed by Hyung and Park. Uh, he also directed the Dota Dragon's Blood, which I'm not familiar with Dota, but I know that it's a very popular series. Um, and also the Lookism show. Oh, here's a summary that I have for this. So this show that I really want to watch now, it's either, I don't know if it's like look slash SM when you look it up. Uh, in a society that favors good looks, a high school outcast leads a double life switching between his two bodies that are polar opposites in appearance. What? 
itself. <laughs> so weird. I think it might be lookism, but maybe yeah. the title is stylized weird. Oh, maybe that's why it's on a slash. That makes yeah. sense. I have that written down too. I think you're exactly right. I was like, look small, like size small. I don't know. I knew exactly what you were talking about, though. So. Yeah, good. Okay. Uh, now I have the uh, the English dub cast for this episode. Uh, we have Ashley Park as Ara and young Ara. Um, she was in Emily in Paris, Beef, the Mean Girls musical, and Only Murders in the Building. She was Kimber. Damn. Um, and then Eugene Leong as Toll. Of, the um, guys. of course, yes. Which he was—he's the guy that we st- we st- we like from them for the most yes. part. I think <laughs> still standable um, as far as I know. So yes, uh, I haven't—I actually haven't watched any Try Guys. I just know they exist, and then bad shit happened. But I know Eugene Lee Young because of uh, his v- YouTube video. Uh, well, his one YouTube music video. He has a whole bunch of other ones, but there was mm-hmm. one specifically where uh, it. It's called I'm Gay, uh, and it was beautiful and amazing. It was really fucking cool. Uh, and he's known for his work in human rights and LGBTQ advocacy charity, uh, helping with advocacy charities like the Trevor Project and things like that. So just all around a really cool dude. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Day Kim, who's who I knew right off the bat, uh, is Bishan, our um, Sith Lord. He's also Jack Kang in the Divergent series. Uh, he's Jinsu Kwan in Lost. Yeah. Which was like a really big fucking deal. <laughs> um, he's also Hiroshi Sato, who is Asami's father in Legend of Korra. So, like our main oh, bad guy thanks. in the first season. Yeah, basically a lot of bad guys, but, but he <laughs> nails it. I mean, yeah, he does. He's also General Fong in Avatar, who was kind of a little oh. anti-hero for a while. Hmm. He was an earthbender. Um, and then Albert Kong as uh, interpreter and Jedi Master A, who I guess they just didn't give a name, but he's Jedi, Ma- Jedi Master A. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, who is seen in The Best Gift uh, in SWAT and Timeless. And then we have, this was really cool to me, uh, Greg Chun as shopkeeper when they go into the shop uh, <laughs> where Ara like, buys the bombs and stuff. Um, and then the master at the beginning that was with the Jedi Oracles. So he is actually the English dub for the main character of Squid Game. So oh. <laughs> he's not the actor, but the guy who voices yeah. the English dub, which is so cool. Um, also voices in Demon Slayer, Near Automata, like a pretty huge voice actor, obviously, that's done a lot of big, big hits. Mm-hmm. Um, Janella Landry as Master Duta. Uh, she was in Spellbound and The Pragmatist. And then Judy Alice Lee as Master Moru, uh, who was another Jedi in this episode, uh, is in Hades 2, Genshin Impact, He-Man, the, the CGI animated one. Hmm. Um, also oh, Octopath Traveler, a voice in Octopath oh. Traveler, which is pretty cool. And Saints Row. So a lot of video game credits mm-hmm. uh, for Judy Alice Lee. Um, any, any comments on any of those casts you guys want to talk about or... Do you want to move into the story? It's just stacked. Yeah. It's, it really is. I mean, you expect it, right? From like, obviously, if you have the ability to connect to somebody in Legend of Korra or something amazing that you've already done, you're going to grab them because they're going to yeah. be, yeah, so well done. So amazing. Um, so this opens up immensely beautiful on these two looming statues atop this like mountain. And this is the planet I was talking about, uh, Dolgarok, which... 
the studio actually made in terms of like Star Wars universe. Yeah. It's not existed in Star Wars before. Um, Again, we don't. It it could be. It could there. also still it exist. Could be real. Yeah, in it real could life, still be real. <laughs> uh, a bearded road man is telling these five young people the time has come, and they all start to bring up these stones. Um, and Ara, one of our main characters, picks up a stone, and we see like these dewdrops kind of coalesce into this image. There is a clash between two figures. There is a third shape as well. But I can't read it. Does this take place in the past or future, then? I think that these are from the future. It feels close to me, but also far as well. Oh, they're gone. The vision's faded. Your will is not yet strong enough. And that is why your reading is imperfect. You must improve this to grow. How does keeping a record help? There is a war going on, and the Sith are winning it. If we do nothing about it, they will lay waste to the galaxy. Two figures and then a third shape that she can't quite make out, which, um, spoiler alert, we've seen the show. It's probably her because <laughs> there's three people there. Um, and it's Aura says that she believes it's a vision of the future. Um, and, and she very quickly, we kind of find through this kind of conversation she has with her, like, not master because she's not a Jedi, but like mentor sort of guy. Um, that there is apparently like a war going on right now with the Sith. And the Sith are kind of laying wakes to the galaxy. And she says, you know, we need to share this information with the Jedi. They're the only people that can help us. And she, for some reason, believes that like whatever she's seen in the stone is going to like change the, you know, change the path of this war. And the old man says that nothing will change. War and conflict are constants, and they will continue to ebb and flow for all eternity, which is pretty dark and heavy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a child, too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> nothing you can do can change war. Shut up. Go back. Go home. War never changes. War never changes. <laughs> but she's determined. She she truly believes that there's something in the stone that that that, and she literally thinks that. Apparently, this is connected to the two statues that we see. One is the light head and one is the dark head. And she thinks that cutting off the dark head is the way to fix everything somehow. So I'm sounding really skeptical, but it's because it is a lot <laughs> to think about it once, you know? Yeah, like, it's kind of like, whoa, what? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm, like, with you and I'm, like, with the guy I'm not supposed to like in the Jedi <laughs> Council who's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you go destroy like, a statue? It's like Star Wars, so I'm, like, open to it, of course. Yeah. Because, like, you yeah. just never know what, like, weird force magic applies to anything, right? True. But it is kind of wild where it's sort of like, I bet you I could change the tide of war <laughs> if I chop this statue's head off. And you're like, yeah. I, uh, do okay, you, I guess. <laughs> it's like it's really like some like D and D like yes. quest stuff where it's like <laughs> mm -hmm. you know it's like hidden temple shit. Like yeah, oh, yeah. And even it, what's funny is that we have this time skip. So mm -hmm. she's like a little bit older the next time we see her, and she's with the Jedi Council, and she's finally like, guys, I still think we need to do this. I still think we need to chop the <laughs> statue up, and something's and I, gonna happen. I think maybe like that conviction is like more concentrated 
in like the quote present day stuff. So it's entirely possible, like whatever time passed, she was spending her all her time studying this and figuring it yeah. out. And we just hopefully. didn't get to see that, you know? <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully she didn't just leave it and was like, oh, let me go do this again. See what happens. Fuck that head up. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna fuck that head up. Um surprisingly, one of the Jedi actually agrees and is like, yeah, what up? Just go try it. Whatever. Um and he sends a Jedi along with her. So clearly there's some type of like destiny stuff happening here yeah. you know we we move on to Tol who is meditating and he's kind of haunted this is where we see a Padawan seeing this atrocity oh right God, we get trauma. this back yeah. holy shit yeah oh, it's, so de- it's like yeah yeah the, so we see <laughs> a flashback of him with his own master fighting the Sith Lord Bishan who we see for the first time <laughs> And Bichan has this like crazy snake like weapon. Dude. That it's fucking like, like scorpion stabs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the ass of his um like lightsaber <laughs> hilt or whatever. Yeah. Is like this wild whip thing. <laughs> yeah, which we talk about this in every episode. We didn't get one in the last episode, but with every episode with the Jedi, there's always a different lightsaber. Like, yeah. that's one thing that's always constant in every Visions episode. And this is probably one of the coolest ones. It it felt very, like, it definitely felt very, like, sinister and Sith. Like, this, yes. this thing that it can, like, reach out and, like, grab someone and kind of force them to mm-hmm. you. Um, it just had this, like, very sinister vibe to it um i they, was i was here for they it. It actually talk cool. about it a little bit more if i i'd, I'd really encourage you guys to listen to the filmmaker focus because they actually go more in depth about bichon and his stylization and the why he looks the way he looks um you know they actually kind of talked about there were various different design choices on what they were going to do with his lightsaber but they decided to do the snake like weapon because it was like you just said so sinister and strange and like just otherworldly the fact that you don't see his face for the longest time Mm -hmm. is something that's a common component in a lot of sith masters you know they have this garb Mm -hmm. that makes them look unhuman uh katie you talked earlier about kotor my first thought was that maybe he was a miraluka because Mm -hmm. you can't see his eyes or his face because like there's a it's kind of weird. There's a race in Kotor that's literally just like people that are blind. I don't know. Like they have like this eye wrap that they wear. Mhm. But like uh I guess and it's all it, and they're like very force sensitive. So that's like part of their thing too. So I thought maybe that's what he was. Sorry, I just like rubbed my hand over Tommy's yeah, face I when I did call that. Out- <laughs> Cassie, Cassie just did the visual, like putting your hands over my face to cover my eyes. I also want to say that you, uh, I, I don't know if it was a Freudian slip, but you said you had a, a thirst instead of uh, a thought. You said like a thirst thought or something. Oh, that was <laughs> weird. Maybe I have a thirst thought about Mira Luca. Yeah, for, I mean, <laughs> he's pretty fucking hot. I mean, <laughs> you know, I will say that. Uh, yep. 
I, 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 I will admit that. Anyway, uh, this fucker, though, stabs Toll's master in a very brutal way. And it's we're kind not of. not Ardman violence. Holy no. shit, no. Like, no, the no. Violence in this episode is by far some of the more, like. Brutal... Aside from the first season of Visions, which has quite a bit of. That brutal... did have a little more. Vi- yeah. Yeah. But, like, yeah, mm-hmm. it was pretty mm-hmm. intense in this scene. Absolutely. And it was also kind of like that really like dark kind of color palette as well, mm-hmm. like during this whole kind of like flashback scene. And um, yeah, I was very shocked at like how far they went. With, like, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, impaling someone is so different than just yeah. like cutting someone's hand off for yeah. some reason. Like yeah. it was just very like, um, yeah. yeah. So we're quickly jumped out of this, though, because uh, as he's meditating, some other Jedi come to him and say that he's, you know, been tasked to go on this mission. He is told that he, by the council, that he his services are requested. And so Tol and Ara meet. And this is the first time we kind of realize that she's a pilot. That's also kind of what confused me. Because she was, like, part of this order, but then now she's a pilot. But she's, like, working on the ship. And Tol immediately, like, just, just doesn't like her. The Jedi on this mission. That you? They're trusting a kid for this? I can hear you, and I'm not a kid. I guess it's better than nothing. Well, hurry up. We don't have much time. Like, they both just have this resistance to one another, which is kind of funny. Um, it's very Han Solo, like Luke Skywalker kind of thing, you know? Because mm, yeah, the even. Pilot and the Jedi. Exactly. Because, yeah. like, Ari even calls Tola Kid. The way that Han Solo calls Luke Skywalker a kid. She's like, I don't know about all your like heebie-jeebie shit, but like, we got to go do this. Even though I saw a prophecy, you're the weird one and we're going to go do this <laughs> sort of thing. Listen, you're being weird about us going to cut off this he- this statue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're going to go so do it. About this? <laughs> um, midway through their mission, they, they kind of stop off at this uh, planet. And I just love this because Ara's like, we're we're gonna need some stuff, you know, on this mission. She buys like a gauntlet and a bomb and a parachute, very specifically, <laughs> which is hilarious to me for some reason. Um, I love this moment though because there are these procession of like hooded monks like walking by, yeah. and they have these crazy like in like pronged incense sticks. I don't know what that's about, but it was really cool. Yeah, I thought yeah. those those were really cool designs. It was more like faceless characters uh which i thought was was very cool yeah and it of course like resonated with toll because he's thinking again about the dark lord uh bichan um and as they get closer to dolgrok you know ara is talking to toll about the statues and we see toll starts to like sweat um and studio mer actually called this out toll the way they kind of like characterized him is that he's like profoundly affected by the force so like almost in a painful way Mm. which is very interesting and it's probably because he has all this trauma because of what happened to him um but as he's getting closer just as we see like in other star wars movies you know when the sith and the jedi sense each other like they know shit's about to go down and uh it does man like this (laughs) whole part is like i'm not gonna skip over all the little details but like basically this is where shit happens, right? Like, <laughs> Bichon actually, like, knocks their ship out of the sky. Toll has to use the force to kind of, like, 
help Ara get down and she has her own little quest where she's like running along this amazing like lighted blue and red like oh, yeah. ring uh, because the statues start to light up while they're on them. And while she's doing that, Toll and Beachon are having their amazing like lightsaber duel. Mm-hmm. Right? And I can stop here for a second if you guys have any specific like reflections or thoughts about this because this is like a heavy like action part. I just thought the like the statue, the circle, how everything was connected, kind of the like confusing uh moment, right? Mm-hmm. Where they're on this like rainbow I, I, I just Rainbow Road. I was thinking of Rainbow <laughs> Road for like like <laughs> how the like statue like was, but like it was just it was a very cool design, like mm-hmm. in terms of like, and also too, like I don't think I realized until this point like how interconnected the st- two statues were, which I mm-hmm. think is the whole point, right? Yeah. Is that you can't tell the difference between which one's light and which one's dark. Please, please be the dark side. Yeah, what about you guys? Yeah, so one of the things um, I super loved about this scene, uh, I noticed a bit of like the sound design and music you mentioned earlier in the episode, but this scene, especially when they kind of go down into like not no longer on the surface of the circles between like connecting the two statues and they like the drums start to kick up and the music starts to swell. It's so fucking badass. This episode, the sound design, I was like, did, did sound even happen in other episodes? Because I can only remember (laughs) this. It is so good. Just the way they use music to like elevate and create tension. Like I felt it in my body during this scene. that's such a good call out too because you're right like i don't i mean i know that like in the other episodes like we we didn't talk a ton in the first couple ones that we we've done about the sound designs and i think they're like they did really good stuff with the music but i think this is one where like it stands out more than the others like for sure oh yeah Mm -hmm. um and knowing like that they were so intentional about Mm -hmm. their sound design every single thing Yeah. yeah i don't know why but this some for some reason this always reminds me of like yeah, the Dragon Ball Z, Aang and Zuko, like, fusion dance on the dragon statues. Mm-hmm. Just because there's, like, two <laughs> fighting statues. But obviously in this, it doesn't work out the same exact way. And it's not as lighthearted. But amidst all this craziness, which, what I think is really cool is there's, like, this juxtaposition of, like, you said, Katie. Like, they go down into, like, this, like, crystal. There's, like, a whole bunch of crystals. And there's, mm-hmm. like, crystals are, like, exploding. Meanwhile, like... 
uh, Ara is, throw- is setting off fucking bombs to blow. She's like really determined to blow these statues up, which is kind of sad because they're really freaking cool and amazing. But um, as that happens, the last thing that happens in this duel is uh, Tool almost gets, you know, finished off by Bichan. Um, but then he uses the force to summon his lightsaber and slice through Bichan's weapon and then strikes him in the chest. And while he's able to kill him, he's thrown himself off the edge of the cliff mm-hmm. that they're on. Perhaps he might have chopped off his head. Oh yeah, and that was maybe a, a dark head because they oh. don't. Sh- they, the shot mm. uh, right after he strikes, and they can't they can't show it for sure, right? So there's you know it could be taken any number of ways, but like the shot right after it felt telling to me, where it's from above and um, Tool falls into the the opening and. Bishan falls the other way. He falls specifically in such a way that like the camera frame mm. is, ends right at his neck. And I was like, oh, this dude just got his head chopped off. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Because Star Wars does like to do that. Oh, all the <laughs> fucking time. But that would make sense, right? Because that is the that is the destruction. The exactly. There are two dark heads. Maybe, maybe more than one. I don't know. It seems so weird and innuendo to me. I don't know. I just, I hate, I hate it. I hate it so much. I can't not. I can, uh, okay. Anyway, uh, Ara this time is able to save Toll and grabs him. And it kind of looks like she's sacrificing herself because she like jumps off and grabs him. But, you know, she bought that parachute. So now she gets to use it. Um, and they land together in the center of the Dolgorak temple. And they, and they, she kind of comes back to the same thing that her mentor told her at the beginning that, you know, no matter what happens. And for her at first, it seems futile. She's like, no matter what we do, it won't end. There's no way to stop this war. And even if we did, it doesn't matter. Another would just arise. Nothing is fixed. Light and dark will always coexist. And if nothing is set in stone, that means there will always be hope. We are always caught in the tide of uncertainty, but the next wave carries as much hope as it does despair. Ada, I actually really needed this mission. And I think you did too. The sheer fact that there is uncertainty allows there to be hope. And even though they concede that, you know, this was supposed to happen, they were they did it together and they were destined to meet. And maybe that means that like there's hope in them finding one another, finding this path together. And it actually does, I think, end on a very l- higher note 
than the rest of the episode. It even ends with them like joking and kind of like fucking around with each other at the end and like kind of quipping and obviously yeah. they're friends by the end, which I think is really mm-hmm. sweet. But the quippy nature of it kind of and I'm not as like adept at uh Avatar or like Legend of Korra and stuff like that, but like it it, it kind of reminded me of like oh, that yeah. like kind of style mm-hmm. of humor a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. For sure. A thousand percent. This to me felt the most like the ending of an episode where the studio was like Hey, wouldn't it be cool if you learned what happened next? <laughs> but not in like a corny way, just like you you saw the first steps of like their next adventure, yeah. which is like get a ship and a crew. Absolutely. Like, I want to see that ship and that crew. <laughs> I want to see that ship. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, yeah, this one was this one was one that like it's really interesting. I mean, I'm sure y'all feel this just doing you know podcasting for whether it's video games or or books or anything like that where sometimes like you will enjoy media but also like you're doing it in such a way that's like so you're like so ready to like analyze it and like talk about it and like you're you're just like kind of dissecting it like a little bit as you're kind of consuming it this is Mm -hmm. one that like i was able to just kind of like almost shut my brain off and just enjoy not yeah. that i didn't enjoy the other ones like i i really loved all the ones that we've watched so far but well, this it's one kind of like the one before it too like yeah it just had it just had such a vibe to it that i was able to just kind of like you know sit and enjoy it as like it's its own thing um but like i wasn't like ready to like pick apart like the different aspects yeah. of this one as much as it like just kind of felt very whole um mm-hmm. it, at the end of my viewing experience with it I like that. I'm glad you can experience that. That's cool when that happens. Because, I mean, even if you don't do podcasting, depending on how how you think about media, it's hard to turn your brain off, even if you're yeah. trying to watch mm-hmm. stuff to turn your brain off. Yeah. Um, and so it's nice when you can have that experience where you can just kind of be along for the ride. Yeah. And I do think this episode in particular has so much packed in. I mean, one, it's a longer episode than many yeah. of the episodes, I feel mm-hmm. like, in this series. But it packs so much in lore-wise. I mean, the fact that we get two separate flashbacks, um, which, by the way, I want to highlight uh, are the 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 way they're animated or the style in which they're animated is like slightly different, um, even from each other, which is so cool. So like you know you're not necessarily in the present day, which is neat. Um, but the fact that we get both of those flashbacks, and because we get this entirely new sort of like lore. Uh, on this entirely newly created planet. I mean, it feels like there's so much to take in that I totally get sort of like losing yourself in this episode in particular. I 100%. I, this is one that like, I don't know, th- this one just felt like special and like a different way than some of the other ones did. Um, I also just like really thought that like the animation style throughout, like it was very... um I don't I th- saying it was evocative is like just such a weird thing to say, but like, <laughs> yeah, I just is. feel like it no, had like a, <laughs> a very like evocative, like animation style for me of just like, and again, like the violence in it, like everything about it was just so viscerally uh, entertaining. We'll say. <laughs> yes. Speaking of, yeah, I mean, a visceral reaction. We did not talk really at, at length or at all about the shopkeeper, which was yes. one of my favorite He's such a little like sicko, and I like really enjoyed him. <laughs> he was so cool, so I, like, funny. 
You're trying to blow something up? Maybe a plant? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Just what you need. So amazing. Like, that guy's keeping your secrets. That yeah. guy doesn't give a shit what you're up to. Hell you yeah. tell him anything. <laughs> Excellent choice. You have good taste. You don't need this stuff. You already have a Jedi with you. This is just a waste of time and money. I only have one shot at this, so I'm going to make it count. Let's see. What are you going to do with a bomb and a parachute? Are you planning on blowing up a planet? Oh, that's great. <laughs> because I've got some real special items in the back. I know you'll love them. I'm talking about some bombs from there. One of a kind gadgets here. <laughs> yeah, that guy, uh, he, he reminded me a little bit of like a... Uh, Almost kind of like a uh, Studio Ghibli kind of like character, yeah. like in a way. <laughs> uh, like I really, but also a very signature like Korra or like Avatar, like NPC, like shopkeeper. Yeah. That's just like <laughs> like the Cabbage Core guy. Like he just like I don't know, very quintessential, but also just like his own zany ass. Like, <laughs> yep, he's there. Yeah. yeah, that whole scene was just. Fun and also just very strange and yes. weird. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That moment and the moment where um, Ara first sees uh, Toll and the camera pans down were the two moments that I laughed out loud uh, watching this episode because I thought that pan down <laughs> was so good. The judgment. <laughs> I could feel the judgment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So well, good. man. This, I think we. Uh, I feel like we've encapsulated everything. Yeah, pretty always, well. It's always funny, like we're talking about like these, like we said, fifteen to twenty minute episodes, but like they pack so much into them. Like mm-hmm. I don't understand how you can make. Uh, you could just make art like this, it's right? A it's talent, like, I mean, I do man. understand it's that, the but like ridiculous amount of talent these people yeah. have. It's nuts. Yeah. One thing I do yeah, want to so say cool. is that Jedi should have therapists meditation quiet meditation sitting with your thoughts as you're just constantly playing your like your your master your teacher getting murdered in front of you is not gonna help but therapy might uh so i'm very to be honest katie i feel like that's the moral of like all star wars (laughs) yeah maybe the jedi should have therapists maybe everyone should have a therapist We probably wouldn't have Darth Vader if if Jedi had oh. therapists or many other uh-huh. characters yeah. for sure. And uh, if the, yeah, if the Jedi just didn't try to like make you like I don't know repress oh everything and help you deal yeah, with we it. keep we keep coming back to the fact that the Jedi mm. the Jedi are just as bad as the Sith. They really are sometimes, man. It just two sides of the same coin. Oh yeah yeah. That's it for today's episode. I'm laughing because I messed it up, but I didn't mess it up this time. Um, I am so grateful to have had Doug and Katie on. You guys were such a joy and an honor, and we would love for you guys to let us know where you guys are located in the galaxy on what (laughs) platforms you would like to toot out. Where can people consume your media? (laughs) That's what I said. Yeah. tooting out there was a train going in the background that every time i forget <laughs> what noise train makes but the toot sounds right so That's right. um uh so as mentioned doug and i are on a podcast called novel gaming um and you can find us there our twitter i think is at novel gaming pod uh, and yeah. we also have a youtube channel um, where we sometimes play games or talk about games on there too 
but with visuals. Uh, yeah. and that's that's where you can find me, Doug. You've got a couple other spaces, though. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. I also do a weekly Spider-Man podcast where my friend Derek and I talk about Spider-Man cartoons. We're trying to get to every single one ever made. So it's a journey, and there's a lot of it. <laughs> so if you like Spider-Man, check that out. Um, and, uh, if you like Pokemon, I also do a podcast called victory road, uh, which is about Pokemon. Heck yeah. <laughs> Yay. Also two things really quick. I know we're doing plugs, but I just want to shout out, uh, y'all's YouTube channel, uh, again, because I have like absolutely adored your uh-huh. videos, especially your, your recent series that you've been doing, uh, playing Pokemon stadium <laughs> on so hard. switch. <laughs> It's so good. Uh, uh, and then the other thing I need to shout out, I need to shout out two more things for y'all. Uh, your bullet journal that you did, Katie. Oh, so oh. good. So good. Thank um, you. It actually like inspired me. I was like, I want to do a bullet journal, but I'm <gasps> oh not artistic Oh my gosh, art- you totally should. <laughs> That's okay. And you could be artistic. I don't know about that. Yeah, uh, I could try it. but um, And I also have to forever, we are forever in both of y'all's debts for introducing us to Citizen Sleeper. Oh. Uh, <laughs> because I would not have found that game if it was not for you all and so fucking good I have not sobbed as much playing a video game as I did playing Citizen Damn. Sleeper I can attest to that because I remember yeah. turning around and seeing you silently crying the PC so but, yes anyway oh, yeah. it's so good the stuff y'all are putting out is great and Incredible. people should absolutely go and check out everything Damn, that you're doing i'm blushing Heck you yes. can't see it but it's true <laughs> <laughs> and y'all are doing great stuff too and thank you i mean thank you so much for having having me having us on uh, it truly yeah. was a pleasure to be able to talk with y'all absolutely we loved it and i'm sure we'll have you on again because you guys are incredible people it was wonderful we ourselves, as always, are a distant echoes SW on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find us individually. Um, I'm Cassie Thulu and Tommy. I am at awkward comma on Twitter. And please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what we're doing, of course, go rate and review us. Um, we'd really love that. Um, tune in next time when we touch famous Skywalker relics with Luke Skywalker's severed hand to see if the universe explodes. <laughs> 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 Goodbye! Goodbye.